Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow, Friday Fantasy 15 edition for week 14 and the second Bimageddon week of the season. Six teams on a bye, which obviously complicates things for us in fantasy, especially in a week where many of us are playing for playoff spots or playoff position. The running back spot in particular hit very hard this week by the buys. We do not have access to Jonathan Taylor or Aaron Jones or David Montgomery, no Cordero Patterson or AJ Dillon or Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson or Alvin Kamara. I think that that's it. Um, or frankly, because of injuries, uh, Kenneth Walker, who hasn't practiced all week, is listed as questionable, as is DJ Dallas, who was a popular waiver wire pickup this week in Seattle. Saquon Barkley popped up on the injury report with a neck injury on Thursday, listed as questionable for the Giants game. Uh, Dayball says it's sore and that we will see about his status for Sunday. Fournette also sore, according to his coach. Um, In his case, it's a foot issue. He was added to the report on Thursday, wasn't seen at practice on Friday. Bowles says that he is hopeful that he will be better in time for the game on Sunday. Um, So that's a lot to keep our eye on and a lot to metabolize at the running back position. Good luck there. I've got some suggestions for you, though not particularly on the like real low end. Um, But I do have my favorite guys uh, for DFS and some guys who have particularly good matchups. A few more injuries that we're keeping our eye on this week. Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars. He is listed as questionable with a toe injury. Jalen Waddell for the Dolphins, who's been dealing with a leg injury. Notable in that game, I think also Taron Armstead is listed as questionable. I think we've seen how huge he is to that offense since he got hurt uh, and the effect that that has had on the offensive line. Same story on the other side of that game. Offensive line injuries have really affected the Chargers this year. We've talked about it a lot, but it looks like Corey Lindsley will be good to go for this game, so that is huge. Also, Mike Williams looking like a go as well for that Sunday night game, which has the highest point total of the week, 52 and a half. Doesn't help you that much in DFS since it's a standalone game, but there is one more 50 plus game on the main slate that we can attack, and that is Vikings Lions with its 50 and a half point total. Lions favored to win that game at home by two and a half points as of Friday afternoon. And I went into some of the details about why that might be on Monday's pod. If you haven't yet listened to that, a lot of interesting notes about the Lions evolution in the intro to that show. But again, that game is one of seven in the early window. There are three in the afternoon. I'm a little intrigued by the Cleveland-Cincinnati game with that 46.5-point total. Bengals favored by 5.5, as Andrew Siciliano pointed out on Monday on this pod. The Browns have had the Bengals number recently, and specifically, as he phrased it, Stefanski has had Anarumo's number, which, if that were to continue, would make this game way more interesting for fantasy, because I think we can probably expect the Bengals to put some points on the board, but I do have concerns about the Browns after last week. Uh, Now we've got Amari Cooper listed as questionable. That doesn't help. They've actually been pretty good at putting points on the board this season prior to last week. They are ninth in the NFL in scoring, kind of sneakily, right, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. The Bengals are seventh. I think that game could be sneaky good. I'm also looking forward to the Bills-Jets game. I'll tell you what, the Bills are favored by 12 and a half points, and I don't see it. 
Uh, And I say that as someone who very much likes the Bills this year, my issue with the line is that the Jets' defense is legit good. And the Jets' offense has been way better since Mike White took over at quarterback. And the Jets beat the Bills with Zach Wilson back in week nine by three points. So at the very least, I think that game should be competitive enough to give us a good fantasy script. And I, in particular, like one wide receiver in that game. And I'll tell you more about who that is. Let's break the huddle. Hurry up, let's go! Two on, two on, two. Ready? Ready? All right, my favorite fantasy plays for week 14. That's what we do every week on the Fantasy 15. Let's start with the quarterback position, starting with uh, the ones with the best matchups. Okay, the guys who have the best matchups in terms of defenses that allow the most fantasy points. You're looking at Kirk Cousins versus Detroit, Mac Jones versus Arizona, Trevor Lawrence versus Tennessee, Justin Herbert versus Miami. I love that game for a million reasons um, on Sunday night. I think Justin Herbert and Tua will both be very motivated. Like their fan bases seem to hate one another. And there's this constant Herbert or Tua fight that takes place, particularly on Twitter, but I imagine outside Twitter too. And so it's a huge game for both quarterbacks. And I can't wait to see who rises to the occasion. Russell Wilson also has a good matchup against Kansas City. Not that it matters because he won't take advantage. And God does as well versus Minnesota. Uh, Those are the quarterbacks taking on defenses that regularly give up a lot of fantasy points to quarterbacks. Of course, that's never the whole story. But in a week where you'll notice a lot of red numbers next to the best quarterbacks names, it's worth pointing out the guys who don't fit into that category that do have matchups with upside. And obviously, the fact that Cousins and Goff both fit into that category is notable since their game also has the highest point total of the week on the main slate. I think that of the two, I prefer Goff in that game for a few reasons. One, as I broke down earlier in the week, the Lions have actually been playing much better ball on defense in the last month or so, according to their DVOA. And while they are still allowing the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, when you look at the quarterbacks that they've faced in that stretch of games where they've started to play better, it's easy to understand why. So Josh Allen had 30 points against them. Justin Fields had 40. Daniel Jones had 26. What do those three guys all have in common that Kirk Cousins does not? They run. Trevor Lawrence, who doesn't run, 16 points against them last week. In week nine, Aaron Rodgers, who does not run uh, like that anyway, 16 points also. I don't think that Cousins falls flat on his face in this one, but I don't think that his ceiling is particularly high. In fact, his best game of the year was a 23-point outing, and he's only scored 20-plus points three times. To me, He's a little like Derek Carr from a fantasy standpoint, and Carr just posted a five spot in Thursday's game against the Rams, where he was supposed to crush. I'm not saying that that is going to happen here, but I also wouldn't be shocked if it did happen here. And yes, you could say the same thing for sure about the quarterback on the other side, always Goff. But unlike Cousins, I think we're seeing him play some of his best football of his career these last few weeks. He's gone four straight games without a pick. He says he's really focused lately on ball security, and it has been leading to wins for Detroit. They've won four of their last five games. Their only loss in that time is a three-point loss to Buffalo, Like Cousins, obviously the floor can be low for Goff, but at least he does have a 30-point game this year. We've seen him hit that ceiling. The Vikings are allowing the most passing yards in the NFL and in DFS, 
Goff is $500 cheaper than Cousins. And at $5,600, you can get a lot of high-end options into your lineup. If I were going to pay up at quarterback, the guy that I would want would be Jalen Hurts at $8,100 against the Giants, who give up the seventh most rushing yards per game. My guess is that we see him run in this one a lot, like he did against the Packers. One of the things that's really impressed me about Sirianni this year, and there are a lot, frankly, it's how adaptable he has proven to be. So last year, he came out throwing a lot on early downs. Defenses picked up on that, started defending that, and he pivoted down the stretch. This year, he's altered his approach on a week-to-week basis to attack teams' weaknesses. It's not quite Belichickian, but it is a little bit in that vein. Packers are a run funnel, so they ran. Titans secondary has issues, pass attempts go up. And the thing about Hurts, he's the perfect quarterback for that. He is a threat in both ways, which really makes him a fantasy weapon week in and week out, kind of regardless of matchup. Trevor Lawrence versus Tennessee, I'm a little bit concerned about the toe injury, but he does have a good matchup, as he did last week, unfortunately, when he did not necessarily get where we wanted him to go. Still, worth mentioning, the Titans are allowing the third most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. And if his wide receivers can catch the ball, there is a strong chance that he can take advantage. He's been playing, or he had, he had been playing really good ball before last week's game when his pass catchers dropped the ball five times. They lead the league in dropped passes this season. We're talking about a 6.9% drop rate. 6.9% of the time when the ball leaves his hands, it lands in his wide receiver's hands only to fall on the ground. You guys, that's unfortunate. But again, the Titans secondary in particular, not great this year, allowing the fifth highest passer rating to opposing quarterbacks. So it's a good matchup for Trevor Lawrence. Also the receivers, I'll get to that. On the much lower side, um, probably only for super flex or multi-entry DFS contests, Ryan Tannehill is $5,200. He's facing the Jaguars. You guys heard the stat last week about the Lions not punting once in their game against Jacksonville. Well, it wasn't just them. It's a little bit of a trend that started to develop. The Jags defense has only forced three punts in the last three weeks. The Ravens punted once. Kansas City punted twice. That's a good sign for the Titans offense. Geno versus Carolina. So first of all, He's QB7 in total points, so he has to be on your radar week in and week out, but I feel like people aren't sold yet, so I'm going to continue talking about him. I'm not going to get into all the stats, but again, I keep saying this, he's playing good football. It's not fluky stuff that's leading to wins or fantasy points. He's just playing well, and he's consistently been in the 20-point range for the last month, over a month, actually. Scored 22 fantasy points last week, 19 the week before, 19 the week before that, 20 before that, 19 before that. This appears to be what we can expect from Geno Smith. And I don't think that Carolina has the kind of defense, although better than they get credit for, I don't think they're going to move him off of that number. All right, let's talk running backs. So from a running back standpoint, there are a few guys I like in particular this week. One that is sort of in spite of the matchup, and that's Christian McCaffrey. He's hard to get into a DFS lineup, priced really high at $8,500, but I like him to have a big game this week, again, in spite of the tough matchup. How tough, you ask? Well, Tampa Bay is allowing the fourth fewest points per game to running backs. 
That said, I see San Francisco leaning on him this week in Brock Purdy's first start, both in the run game and the passing game. I think we see a lot of short game there. Uh, Brock Purdy, when he came into the game last week, threw 37 passes last week, which is a lot. But his longest completion was 19 yards. That is the shortest long of week 13. I think that Christian McCaffrey makes sense to be a big part of the game plan this week as Purdy gets comfortable in the offense. Maybe some checkdowns, some handoffs. He can make his life easier in a whole bunch of different ways. I also really like Joe Mixon at $6,900. One, the matchup is great. Cleveland's allowing the second most points per game to running backs on the year. They're allowing a massive 5.1 yards per carry. And two, I think Mixon comes out and runs angry to a degree and tries to make a point. Look, Pirine looked good while he was out, right? And the conversation in the last week or so has been whether or not he should get worked in a little bit more, even with Mixon back. So much so that Zach Taylor had to clarify that Mixon was still the starting back, reminding reporters that the last time we saw him fully healthy in a game, he scored five touchdowns. I think Mixon probably feels like he has something to prove this week, and he certainly has the talent to prove it. Tony Pollard at $6,700, I think, is going to be a very popular play. I think he's a stud, and I'm 100% playing him without question in season long. But I'm going to pivot away in DFS, and here's why. I think the Texans' D is better than we're giving them credit for against the run. And I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, too. Their run defense, DVOA has gone from worst in the league through eight weeks to 14th best since week nine. They used to average 5.7 yards per carry allowed. Now it's 4.1. In fantasy, they've allowed the most points per game on the year, but in the last four games, they've been the 11th best. They've only allowed two touchdowns to running backs in that time, and they're only allowing 19.5 points per game during that time. Comparatively speaking, Seattle has allowed 36.3 in the last four games, and Buffalo has allowed 21.8. So on the one hand, we've got analysis suggesting that maybe we shouldn't play Bam Knight against the Bills, tough defense, but then please play anybody who's playing the Texans. Doesn't really make sense. And I think that maybe the analysis by and large hasn't caught up. And you can't even say, oh, well, they didn't play anybody during that stretch when the defense suddenly started playing well. They played Nick Chubb last week. They held him to eight points. So play Pollard and Zeke if you want to, but buyer beware. I mentioned the Seahawks there. Deontay Foreman is the running back who gets that matchup this week. If you listen to Fantasy Dirt on SiriusX and Fantasy Sports Radio, you have heard me and Fabs going back and forth about him and Jeff Wilson Jr., I mentioned that I would rather have the latter a few weeks back for the rest of the season, and it's turned into this big ongoing disagreement that we have. But I am a huge fan of Deontay, and I think that he will have a big week this week. The Seahawks are allowing the most points per game to running backs in the last four weeks. They've given up six touchdowns to running backs in the last four games. And if you take the entire season into account, you'll see that the only starting running backs that have not scored in double digits against them have been Eno Benjamin in week six and James Conner in week nine. 
every other starting running back has scored at least 10 points against Seattle. Josh Jacobs went for 45. Eckler went for 30. Even Akers went for 18 last week. So I like this one for Foreman, especially if they give him the ball 15 or more times. He is practically a walking 100-yard game in that case. Another matchup I like this week is Miles Sanders at $6,200 against the Giants. Already mentioned their susceptibility on the ground, allowing 5.1 yards per carry. They've allowed the second most yards to running backs in the last four games and five touchdowns to the position in that time. If you need somebody really inexpensive or a last-minute plug-and-play type guy, Travis Homer is an interesting choice for you. Maybe he's $5,000 on DraftKings, and he's on track to potentially get a lot of run against the Panthers with Kenneth Walker and DJ Dallas both questionable and unable to practice this week. Homer has never had more than six carries in a game, so it's a risky-ish play. But if you want to roll the dice, the opportunity might be there. I'll just say Foreman is $400 more, and I think I'd rather pay up for that. A lot more of a sure thing. Couple FYIs to pass along. First for Dalvin Cook fantasy managers. The Lions are allowing the second fewest fantasy points per game in the last four weeks an average of 11.95. The last running back to post double-digit points against Detroit was in week seven. Some of the running backs that have been held under 10 points since then against them, Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Devin Singletary. Those are some good backs, and they have not gone off. So buyer beware for Dalvin Cook. Uh, Then for Rashad White, and Leonard Fournette managers. First of all, we don't know if Fournette's going to play. But regardless, the matchup is really tough. The Niners have allowed the fewest points per game to running backs this year. They've only allowed five touchdowns to the position all season. They shut down the Dolphins' backs last week, or got them off script, more notably. Gave up four to Camara the week before. Eckler scored 9.8 against them in Week 10. They have been tough with a capital T. Looking at wide receivers now, the script I think we're mostly expecting looks good for Justin Jefferson against the Lions. But in addition to the things that I've already said about the Lions D, just know this. The Lions have been especially susceptible to receivers in the slot, allowing the most fantasy points to them, the 17th most fantasy points to receivers out wide. For that reason, kind of like KJ Osborne as a sleeper in this game, 59% of his snaps come in the slot. And not coincidentally, KJ led the Vikings in receiving back in week three when they played the Lions the first time this season. He had eight targets, five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Really like Amonra St. Brown. Again, his price is up, again, from $7,100 to $7,800, but he scored 30 points in two straight games, and Minnesota's allowing the most receiving yards in the league. If Trevor Lawrence plays... I like Christian Kirk a lot, and I like Zay Jones too, but Kirk certainly feels like the safer play of the two, doesn't he? Titans are allowing the most fantasy points to receivers this year. They've allowed the second most receiving yards and the most touchdowns to the position. It's a great matchup for wide receivers in general. Kirk is $6,600. Zay is $4,900. Comes with a lot more risk, but there is certainly upside attached to him if you want to go there. And while we're talking about bargains, I also think that there's a chance that Jerry Judy returns value for you this week. One, Sutton looks like he's out. Two, the Chiefs give up 
way more fantasy points to slot receivers than they do to receivers on the perimeter. Judy plays in the slot nearly 70% of the time, and three, I think they'll be down and throwing. Another team that's a little lopsided in terms of its slot slash wide coverage is Seattle, and for that reason, I've got my eye on LaVisca Chenault, or maybe even Shai Smith as a few low-end plays. Seattle's allowing the ninth most points to slot receivers and the fewest to receivers on the perimeter. Maybe that means more snaps inside for DJ or more work for the more under-the-radar names that I just mentioned. Last wide receiver that I want to mention, you guys, Garrett Wilson is the cheat code that DraftKings is giving us these days. He's only $5,900, and he's scored 26-plus DraftKings points in two straight games. I see two scenarios for him in this game. One, the Jets play the Bills close and Wilson is heavily targeted, like in week nine when the Jets won and he had eight catches for 92 yards in a three-point victory, 17.9 fantasy points for him with Zach Wilson as his quarterback. Second scenario, they're playing from behind, forced to throw, and looking for their playmaker to make some plays. Either way, I think he's a star in the making. I love him as a play this week. And I think this is probably the last chance that we're going to get him for under $6,000 for a really long time. At the tight end position, I'm not going to dwell on how bad the position is. I've done that enough this year. It got a little worse, though, this week with Hayden Hurst being ruled out. That said, we did get David Njoku back, or we're getting David Njoku back. So there is that. I really like this week for Hawkinson in a revenge game against his former team in Detroit, which has allowed the second most touchdowns to tight ends on the year. I also mentioned that they give up a lot of points to receivers in the slot. That could be him. I also like Gerald Everett this week, as much as one can like Gerald Everett in that Chargers offense, I suppose. But the Dolphins are allowing the third most points per game to tight ends, fourth most touchdowns, second most receptions. I like Kittle against Tampa, which is allowing the fifth most points per game to tight ends. There are all these stats where like Tampa is tough against this position. Tight ends, though, they put up points. Also, uh, I think maybe he's a security blanket for Purdy, who, as I mentioned earlier, might not be stretching the field with Ayuk as much as trying to connect on short passes and letting his guys do their yak thing. Hunter Henry is tough to trust, but he's got the matchup this week against Arizona. I tell you, every week that's the team to play your tight ends against unless you just don't have one. If the team, you know, if the team playing Arizona doesn't have a tight end that they use, then obviously don't force it in. Hunter Henry, I think, is kind of on the borderline for that. But uh, Arizona is allowing the most points per game to tight ends, the highest catch percentage to tight ends, and the most receiving yards to tight ends. That last category, by the way, most receiving yards to tight ends, by over 100 yards. They have more than 100 more yards allowed to tight ends than the next best team. Next worst team? How would you phrase that? Either way. A couple of tight ends to offer up a warning for. And they're both in the Buffalo-New York game. Neither team there, Buffalo or New York, the Jets, have allowed a touchdown to a tight end this year. Not one. So that is not great for Tyler Conklin or Dawson Knox. All right, that's going to do it for the Fantasy 15 for Week 14. I hope you found some of this information to be helpful. If you have any questions about guys that I didn't address, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter. I'm Lindsay underscore Rhodes there. On Instagram, I'm Lindsay Rhodes NFL. The producer of this show is Andrew Emmer, and the show itself is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. We're back on Monday to react to the week's action, and I hope that you will join us for that. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. 
SiriusXM Podcast.